Happy Thursday, my pop culture junkies. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hello, all. It is just me this week. I figured after last week's epic podcast with Jason Hirshhorn, I needed a minute. It wasn't fair to the next guest. We needed to give it give it a minute. But I just want to thank Jason for having that incredible conversation with me. And if you guys haven't listened to it, I urge you to do it. And I also thank so many of you who reached out. And many of you said Jason and I should be doing a podcast together. And I don't disagree. I don't know. I don't know if I can get him to do this podcast every week or should we do our own? I would love your thoughts. Jason Hirshhorn, you are my next mark, man. We're going to make something happen. But Jason is an incredible podcaster. He's an, If you knew him in person, and many of you listening do, you understand having a conversation with him, sitting down at a table with Jason Hirshhorn is one of the most special experiences. He is a master storyteller. He is hilarious and brilliant and meaningful all in the same breath. So you guys got a glimpse of that last week. We spoke for, it was an hour. It was the longest pod we've done here at PCMOT. It went by so quickly. And frankly, I could have sat with him for five more hours. Nobody wants to listen to a six hour podcast, but I'll tell you, it could have, I would have enjoyed it. I could have spent the rest of that day just sitting there and sharing all of the stories. But so this week, it's just little old me. And also because like, nobody wanted to come on this week and just listen to me bitch about Kanye West or yay or whatever it is. As, as I said in the newsletter, I'm so sick of calling him all these different names. I'm just going to call him Mr. West, but that's almost a sign of respect, which I don't have for him. And the latest out this week, I mean, there's others, there's so much stuff out, but I got yelled at by somebody, David, this is crazy. Some woman who's on my side, apparently she was like enough is enough with Kanye West, but was angry at me and accused me of spreading misinformation because I said that he'd been suspended from platforms, Twitter and Instagram. And she said, you're spreading misinformation. He hasn't been suspended. He was restricted. Whatever the fucking term is, he has no access. Yes, his Instagrams are still up and visible, as are his tweets, except for the um, anti-Semitic one, the clearly anti-Semitic one that was removed. And he's been suspended from both. But I guess maybe that's not the technical term. Maybe the technical term is, you know, he's on a timeout. I don't know. We're already arguing so much, people. If we're already fighting the same fight, like, why get all up in my grill about using the wrong term? And I'm, you know, spreading misinformation. Like, just everyone needs Everyone needs to get high, I think. Everyone just needs to collectively smoke a joint, get some gummies, just like we all are so fucking angry. It's just, you know, and then Kanye is just tapping into that and we're seeing how angry that guy is. He has Tucker Carlson completely defending him. Of course he does and saying that wasn't anti-Semitic, but listen, it was 100% anti-Semitic. There's no maybe there's no gray area. My problem with him being cut off at this moment in time by the platforms is that like, I'm glad they drew a line in the sand at some point, but like, this is not new. This is not new behavior. He has been abusive towards women, 
bullying women, bullying private citizens, people that are not celebrities or have a public forum, whether they're private board members or just somebody that got under his skin. He has gone after them repeatedly over the years. This is not, you know, this is Taylor Swift. This is going after Lizzo. This is going after his famous friends, but he's also gone after a private citizen over and over and over again. And the ramifications have been intense. His the children of these people have been bullied as a result. He's gone after large swaths of the population, whether he's written things that have been homophobic or uh, fat phobic or, you know, now it's it's anti-Semitic and I'm, I'm glad they drew the line in the sand, but for fuck's sake, like enough is enough. And I suspect something bad is going to happen. And I, you know, I feel badly for his children, but does he get put into a mental hospital? Does something worse happen? I, I don't know. I don't want to conjecture on like the worst case scenario, but things are coming to a head. And I think his world is very, very small right now. And we as a, as a nation and as a global society have been impacted enough with this hatred and this volatility and this drama and this video that came out, which I don't really want to get into because whatever it is, there, there are a variety of reasons, but it's a, it's a video that was released that clearly was filmed with permission of everybody involved. Maybe it was meant to be sort of like a day in the life of, but he is uh, having a very tense conversation with Adidas executives. Allegedly, though, I guess it's, it's confirmed he was sh- showing them porn, whether there was actual video of sex happening is unclear, but certainly the sounds, the executives grew, you know, visibly uncomfortable. And I don't know, did you see it, David? Like, thank God the Adidas executives or Adidas executives grew visibly. Like they were like, is this porn? Jesus Christ. They pushed him away. Uh, Honestly, it was the best thing I've seen because I was, I have some hope in humanity and some hope in men. And maybe it's because they're Germans and just European men in my mind right now now are are a little bit more uh, centered, but they were like, what the fuck is happening? This isn't okay. Instead of, you know, my vision was when I heard he showed these executives porn that they were like high-fiving and are like, hey, look at her. Look at the, look at that girl. But that did not happen. So we can all breathe a sigh of relief. But in this video, he is seem, you know, there's two executives there with him, one of whom I knew, I know very well, but is no longer connected to Kanye. And they're trying to be measured and the, you know, grownups in the room, but Kanye just like unhinges, gets unhinged and starts calling himself the king of culture. And he's the king of culture and he disses Jay-Z in that. He disses all these different people, but he's the king of culture. The world bows down to him and he's the king of culture. He's well, I'm the king of culture. I got stuff up. Even if, even if Jay is sailed by the money, or even if Jay is not Christian, I have to step up as a king of culture. Now, because you're talking to the king of culture. Now, this is the king not the king of culture. This is a pop culture podcast. Obviously, we're speaking about him, but not in the sense of that he's the king, in the sense that he's a really toxic, dangerous, I hope, sign of the past. This is not the world any of us want to live in anymore. And I'm hoping that it's enough. Fini. We're done. That's just what I want to say. And um, I will say this, though, the last thing on Kanye's None of these are mutually exclusive. You can be mentally ill. You can be a genius. 
and you can be an asshole. And those, all of those things, one doesn't make the other okay. It's just is, but the, you know, this isn't even being fair to mentally ill people because there's a lot of help that I know a lot of people struggle with their mental health and they seek help and they know the impact of their behaviors on others. And they choose to want to live in a world where they're not hurting the people around them that, that, that are their loved ones. And that is not what Kanye West is seemingly doing. He is hurting everyone. So I just wish, this is when I wish we didn't have these megaphone platforms. I wish we didn't have Twitter and Instagram and all the other, you know, outlets that give a platform to crazies, whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene, whether it's Tucker Carlson, whether it's Candace Owens, whether it's just these people that are, and, and, and granted, am I saying all conservatives? Yes, but I know there are definitely people on the left too. I think anybody with extreme views who do not see the middle and understand that they're playing to both sides. I think it's that Senator, is it Tim Ryan? I'm so bad when it comes to politics, guys, because I, not because I don't care, because I care too much. I've like shut it down and there's no perfect politician. I understand that. But there's this ad, Tim Ryan, he was running this ad against uh, J.D. Vance. And he had his debate that came out on Twitter. I think it was yesterday that the clip's going out and he just annihilates, annihilates J.D. Vance. But the ad was so clever. It was so well done where he's like, I am here to bring Republicans together, Democrats together. We don't need this crazy shit. We don't need all of the stuff that's happening on the extremes. And in the debate, he even called out Marjorie Taylor Greene as the kookiest politician we have. Who says that the president of the United States is intentionally trying to kill people with fentanyl? Who says that the election was stolen? J.D. Vance does. Who runs around with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who wants to ban books? You're running around with Lindsey Graham, who wants a national abortion ban. You're running around with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's the absolute looniest politician in America. This is a dangerous group, and we do need to confront it. And that's why I'm running to represent the exhausted majority, Democrats, Republicans, and independents. The fact of the matter is we do need politicians, people with these mega platforms, whether they're politicians or artists or whatnot, to reach out to all sides. It's the moderates. It's that middle. Like I'm not defined by my political beliefs, but I'm also not definable because I'm obviously liberal in the sense that I am absolutely pro-choice. I believe in gun control, but I also don't believe in the, you know, what the the far left is on. I, I believe in punishment for those who are breaking the law. I don't believe that there should be a thousand chances for people who break the law. So I don't know. I think that's how a, a large group of us feel, but there's just no outlet for that. And I'm hoping that maybe more of these, this shift is happening. I don't know. Maybe that's an optimistic view. And again, this is a pop culture podcast, but still it's in the pop culture, all of this, because we as a culture are like, it's just, we're getting beaten down, whether it's bad news from the environment, whether it's bad news from our pop culture icons, whether it's bad news politically, financially, economically, it's just like, come on, we need some some happiness. And I think that's why we sort of lose ourselves in pop culture. We lose ourselves in true crime, which I think is, you know, interesting how we're all trying to escape the bad news of the world, but we're like obsessed with true crime. Like I go to sleep watching 
the Dahmer show. I go to sleep watching now. There's this new show on Netflix, which are the interviews of the psych the psychiatrists had with Jeffrey Dahmer, with real video of Jeffrey Dahmer being like, and I cut the body parts up and put them in, you know, because I couldn't use a hacksaw in my apartment. And I'm literally like calmed like little baby falling asleep to that, which tells you about our state of mind as a society. Like, what is that? Like, I used to go to bed reading a book or listening to great music or having my white noise machine. And instead, I am now going to sleep listening to Jeffrey Dahmer tell a psychiatrist about melting body parts in acid. So maybe I, I need to talk to my therapist on a more regular basis. In other breaking news we have uh, this week, Angela Lansbury died. And I don't normally talk about people who died uh, uh, on this in the newsletter or whatnot, because I could, it could become the entire focus because it's always going to be a big, big story. But Angela Lansbury was, has always been there. This is like the queen, right? Like Angela Lansbury is our queen. Um, we've had a lot of loss lately with people that have been there our entire lives. Angela Lansbury, I mean, I grew up, I thought she was old when I was a kid. I was a murder she wrote kid. I would stay home from school sick. And how many of you can relate? Like my staying home from school sick was like when I, whether it was really sick or I was able to pull a fast one on my mom, it, you know, it didn't really matter. There was the price is right. Oh my God, couldn't believe it. You know, I loved being able to watch The Prices, right? I would imagine like I guessed all the numbers, like how much was a thing of eggs? I was eight years old and I would be better than some of these contestants. I would get to watch like the facts of life, things that I just got to watch all day. I got into soap operas then, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital. And then there was Murder, She Wrote. It was, you know, it was Murder, She Wrote, like, um, MacGyver, Matlock, they were all on. It was that, that you know, maybe, maybe um, the Magnum PI. Th those were the shows. I would just sit there and watch. I mean, you had commercials. I had a remote control on my TV, which made me really cool as a kid. My, and it wasn't in my room, but my parents' room. And I would just sit there and like flip between those channels. And it's my dream. So Angela Lansbury. And obviously she's been in, I don't know, hundreds of films and Broadway shows, television shows, but my favorite Angela Lansbury movie was Nanny McPhee. And if you guys come at me all you want, of course, she's been in much more credible films or whatnot, but Nanny McPhee is one of the greatest films of all time. Don't at me. It's correct. And it's a line I use all, all the time and out of context makes no sense. When you need me, but do not want me, then I must stay. When you want me, no longer need me, then I have to go. It just like sticks with me. And I love this movie. It's like one of those movies that could be on regular cable and I will watch it. And despite having commercials, I will watch it at any any point of the uh, of the film. And she plays this really funny character. I love her. I love Angela Lansbury. And may she rest in peace, but she lived an incredibly long life. I am loving seeing these powerful people who have wonderful people who've lived very rich, full lives. I don't know about you, if you've had loss, my parents died when I was quite young. They were babies. My mom was 57. My dad was 61. And in my mind, like anything beyond that is 
elderly, anything. I'm like, wow, they lived into the 70s. Like, it's an absurdity. So I seeing people get to live to 94, 95, 96, it's, um, and live seemingly really good, clear, strong lives is awesome. So uh, a salute to you, Ms. Lansbury. I feel like she's a dame or something. She, I feel like she must have gotten some sort of like award from the queen at some point. But Angela Lansbury, you were iconic. You are our, you are our everything. And then moving on, honestly, I just want to talk about a little content. I am really, really, really into uh, House of the Dragon. I wasn't at first, but now I really am. I mean, it, episode three really got you. It's like sexy, it's naughty, but it's real character development. And the characters, if you see, like they go from being younger and the younger cast, I will say, is incredible, maybe stronger than the older, than the people playing them older, but it's an incredible show. It's a show that was made by, at the time, Warner Media, now Warner Discovery. It was made at it before these executives at Warner Discovery took over, though I think everybody's like out there boasting and going to like the red carpet when they had nothing to do with the making of the show. That show was made under Jason Kyler and that amazing team that is no longer uh, there. So never forget that. But this show is remarkable in the sense that it really, it's like we missed Game of Thrones and I never thought something could come in and be as compelling. Now, of course, Game of Thrones is its own thing and it's a completely different and complex and rich series but this just it has something and like i said i was really into the younger cast at more so than the older one but that all changed this weekend with this viral video uh, the interview is two actors from the show, um, one who plays the queen and one who plays the princess. You expect me to be a professional and have their names. I don't. So just let's call it what, what it is. One identifies as a woman. One identifies as they, them. They are both remarkable and they're interviewing each other. It's really sweet. And the woman who plays the queen asks the person who plays the princess, what their favorite cocktail is. And they say it was like a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it. And it is the sexiest thing. It made like straight women, gay men, everybody question their sexuality at that point. Nobody knew what was going on. There's so many TikToks. There's like this one woman who's so funny and she's like, um, I just, I'm happily married, but I just want you to know that I, like, I think it's Emma Darcy is the name of the, of the person or Anna Darcy. I, guys, Again, I'm not a journalist. I'm just here babbling. But that person is responsible for a lot of women questioning their sexuality and looking at their husbands like, who the fuck are you? I want out. I want out. I want a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it. What's your drink of choice? A Negroni. I was going to say the same thing. Spagliato. Mmm. With Prosecco in it. Oh, stunning. Yeah. So sexy. It was just the delivery was flawless. Do you have the name, David? I can see you nodding your head. Did you pull up her name, their name? You're right. It's Emma Darcy. Emma Darcy. Yay. Um, I'm so happy. Thank you. They're really, and so now I see them in a different light and I love their rapport and they're both, I love them both. They're both sexy. They're both very compelling and they both look like they have an incredibly endearing friendship. So all the more reason to watch the house of the dragon. Also, it's just sexy. It's a good little show. Something I haven't written about 
because I don't even know how to tackle it. But I think a lot of you who listen to this uh, podcast or read my newsletter are obsessive, obsessive Real Housewives fans, maybe in particular Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, at least right now. And there is so much drama going down on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Andy Cohen is a genius. Andy Cohen, by the way, who just had Bob Weir on his show, which is so crazy. Like, can you imagine Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead is sitting there talking to Andy Cohen on late night? It's just, it's amazing. It would have been great if Bob Weir had been with an actual Real Housewife. Instead, he was with Anderson Cooper, which is great. I loved it, but I would have loved to have seen uh, and a group of people have said this to me, would have loved to have seen Bob Weir sitting there with like Ramona, would have loved it. But right now everyone is up in arms about Lisa Rinna and Kathy Hilton, and there's Team Rinna, there's Team Hilton, there's so much drama. You know, a lot of people I know who have been Team Rinna or anti-Rinna but all, now, but also love her for bringing the drama and keeping the show sort of the most relevant it's ever been. Look, she's an actress. She understands. She knows what she's doing. You know, these are real people who have chosen to bring the drama into their personal lives, like bring their personal life drama into the public eye. It's, it fascinates me. And anytime somebody says like, Hey Brooke, you should do a reality show. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? Like if you have a camera on me 24 seven, first of all, the camera guy will fall asleep because he'll be like, this girl is really boring. She just goes to sleep at night watching, you know, murder. But also like, obviously I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to say something stupid. I don't get to have David following me around, editing me the way I want to be edited in the real life. And of course, they're also going to edit you to fuck you up, to make it look like you're, you know, they're goading you. They're getting you to say things like if I go on the Real Housewives, I guarantee I'd be a one season girl, 100%. I would be forgettable. I would have a lot of drama, but I would be the one that would cry a lot and be picked on because I can't bully. So if you can't bully, then you're bullied by definition in the show. I would, I would either quit or I would be not asked back more than likely. So that's a no for me, but I just props to these people who have the, and they just go on with their lives. Like they don't care. They're like, everything is fine. I just said like the worst thing possible. The whole world is talking about it. I look like an asshole, but ha ha ha. It's all frivolous. I would literally have to be 51 50 if something like that happened. If like I said something so stupid and they didn't edit out and it became this plot line and people were talking about it on the next day on talk radio or in morning shows, I would literally never be able to come out from under my bed. Like that would be it. Day over. Avita Zane. So I have mad respect for them. Maybe they're just all incredibly talented show people. But Lisa Rinna, props to her for keeping the show in the zeitgeist of almost everyone I know, people are obsessed. Like they can talk about nothing else. I'm having dinner with previous podcast guest, Danny Passman. And Danny's just like, I can't wait. I cannot wait to get his take on all of this because he has been my sort of guide throughout Real Housewives world in all of, uh, since the beginning of time. And I think even he's like, ugh, Rinna. But yet we keep coming back. So that is where we're at. And then finally, Bones and all. Guys, you know, this is no no mystery to any of you who've listened to this pod. I love, I love Timothy Chalamet, the Valtrax King of New York. I love him. I understand he's young. I also understand he looks sort of, 
you know, like a man child, but I don't care. He's incredibly talented. I love him. I love his sister who stars on that um, hilarious show, The Sex Lives of College Girls, I think. I love the Chalamet family. Obviously, I've also told you how much I love Jeffrey Dahmer's stuff right now. I'm not condoning Jeffrey Dahmer. I am not uh, hero worshiping Jeffrey Dahmer. He's a sick man who took horrible, horrible measures to take people's lives and he should not be celebrated. He should be studied so we avoid it. But whatever. We went through a zombie phase as a society. Everything was zombies, zombie movies, Walking Dead, other like riffs on Walking Dead. There's so many zombies, but apparently we have moved on from zombies and we have moved into cannibal territory where Dahmer is the, the like out paced, I guess, Squid Games to being the biggest show on Netflix. We are clearly, clearly obsessed with cannibals. And now we have a movie starring our Timothy Chalamet coming out in November called Bones and All. And it stars Timothy Chalamet as a cannibal along with the very riveting and I'm very compelling Taylor Russell, the main star of this, along with Mark Rylance, who is this incredible actor. You've seen him in lots of movies. He's English and it's going to be an amazing cast, but it's cannibals and they live as eaters and they can smell each other and it looks terrifying and it looks disgusting and I cannot wait. That's going to be the next movie I see in a movie theater. Did you see the trailer by any chance, my little David? I'm sorry. I don't know how I missed this. Thank you, David, for reading my newsletter, everybody. Thank you, everyone. My producer, the best producer in the world, doesn't read my newsletter. But okay. Uh, I was in my Kanye haze and I scrolled right past it. You did. It's the big trailer. It looks crazy. It looks amazing. And I'm really excited for it. Bones and all coming to you live in November. You should pre-order your tickets. And then Actually, I said this, that was last. The last thing I want to talk about is my friend, Julia Borston, who hopefully I'll convince to be on the podcast uh, one of these days. Julia is an incredible journalist. She is on CNBC. She is a brilliant mind in the world of media and entertainment and technology. Her book comes out this week. It's called When women lead. And, you know, it's something that's a foreign concept to many. And uh, not all women leaders are great. Let's be clear. We know that. But there are not a lot of them. And so maybe we should have more so you can see how good they can be. And her book looks at it's so good, guys. And she talks to so many of these really interesting, either na household names or soon to be household names, but people behind the scenes you never would have heard of um, and really gets insight into how women lead differently and what it takes and um, the sort of differences between women and, and thinking as men. And um, I, I can't urge you enough. We'll have a link to buy it in the show notes. But When Women Lead, it is a great book. Um, I am now not buying my books on Amazon. I buy everything else on Amazon. It's not, Amazon's not gonna miss me, but local bookstores, local bookstores do miss us. So I'm gonna put the link in there. It's not gonna be an Amazon link. Um, and order the book from you know either there or one of your local bookstores. And it is worth the money and it is worth the time. So with that, you guys, next week is a whole new week. I hope we're in a brighter state of mind. I'm not gonna play 
marry, mute, or, well, I want to say <laughs> make out all the time with Timothy Chalamet. But um, okay, maybe I'm going to play. I'll make out with Timothy Chalamet. I'd like to marry Timothy Chalamet and I'd like to mute Kanye. Done and done. Until next week, my lovelies. Thanks so much. This has been Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. See you soon. Pop Culture Mondays.